This is exactly right. It's 1943 in the Kingdom of Bulgaria. As the Second World War rages, King Boris dies suddenly and every nation is a suspect. The Butterfly King premieres March the 21st on Exactly Right. It's a cruel tale of a doomed royal dynasty. Somewhere, the truth is out there. Listen to The Butterfly King on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When these kids are having these strong reactions, it's not that they're just being obstinate and oppositional and that they're out to ruin your day. uh, Behavior and emotion for kids is communication. And so often there is this underlying invisible sensory processing issue, which is causing the emotion and the behavior. Hello, everyone. Happy October and happy Halloween parent footprint. This is your newest Sitting Down with Dr. Dan bonus episode, and it's airing on Halloween. And we hope your Halloween is filled with lots of treats and lots of fun. We do this show every month and answer your questions. So please keep sending us your parenting questions through Facebook, X, Instagram, or email us, as many of you do, at podcast at drdampeters.com. I am back in the virtual studio with our trusted podcast audio engineer, Phil. Phil, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Dan. Well, happy spooky season. Well, you know, personally, that I uh, my spooky season runs the full year, but Listeners may not know that that's because I host a paranormal podcast called Don't Turn Around. Yes, you do. Uh, We're coming back from a break, well, today on Halloween. And so uh, if listeners want to check that out, if they need something a little extra spooky to cap off their Halloween, uh, they can visit dtaparanormal.com and see what that's all about. Don't turn around, everyone. Don't turn around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As far as plans... Uh, it kind of depends on the kids. Uh, they're not sure if they want to go out with their friends or if mm-hmm. they want to stay in and watch scary movies with us. Either way, I'm sure my wife and I will be uh, enjoying some horror films uh, as we have been pretty much all month. How about you? Well, our you know, with our kids um, grown, it uh, Halloween is not what it used to be. Sadly, yeah. uh, gosh, we really had a lot of fun trick or treating and dressing up. Uh, back in the day. And then I would say those high school years, those were a little more iffy because you never knew exactly where everyone was going or what they were doing. And you were always really (laughs) happy when everything turned out okay at the end of the day. So now, you know, we just wait for an invitation here or there to a reason to dress up. um, And it's always fun handing out candy, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough when it's on a Tuesday night or a school night. It's a bummer. Like it's, Yeah. yeah, it's, Although my friend, he's uh, turning 55 and uh, we are hosting a party for him at a at an actual haunted house. Uh, this nice. is a place that we have investigated oh. uh, several times and have become very good friends with the owner. And so we are hosting a spooky, tiki party on the 29th of the month. Nice. So, uh, are you dressing up? 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, I don't yes. know what okay. as what yet. I yes. don't know, but I'm sure I'm sure uh, Tina can help me figure that out. <laughs> well, in the in the in the um, spirit of Halloween, just give a little give a little teaser to everyone about what are like what are some of the things you found when you have investigated this this haunted oh, house. Oh, so I will I'll mention two of my favorite occurrences in this house. So, uh, first one, it was myself and my family and my partner, uh, investigator, his family as well. So it was a family investigation and we are sort of in between rooms having some snacks and we all hear someone say, mom. And then the girls immediately are like, was that you? No, was that you? Was it? So it wasn't any of the kids that were with us that said, mom, it was a, it was a voice wow. from the ether and we actually caught it on a recording. So that's, wow. that's number one. Uh, number two, we were filming some video, uh, with Wynn Brewer, who is the, who is the owner. And he has this tradition called a toast to the ghost and he does it in the parlor. And, you know, you, he says a whole little speech about, you know, the, the spirits there and the, and the people that come to gather and enjoy themselves at the property. And so we all say cheers. And then there are three of us doing the toast, but there was a fourth voice that said cheers again <laughs> that we all heard. And you actually see our reactions of what, what was that? And we managed to capture it on recording as well. Remarkable. Was it a uh, male voice, a female voice? It, it was a female voice. So there is a spirit there uh, named Gladys, who was the wife of uh, former Senator Calvin Harris. And she loved to entertain and she loved, she really enjoyed her drinks. And so we suspect that it was Gladys. Uh, saying chin chin oh, right back to us that is uh, that is awesome that it's is wild. awesome it is wild. it is wild it is mm. wild mm. shall we dive right into our questions oh you mean this isn't this isn't an ex this isn't a paranormal show, show? okay all right okay <laughs> we'll, we'll do that we'll do that sometime paranormal with dr dan no i'm outside of my area of expertise you guys have to go to don't turn around to fill <laughs> over there okay okay well, the great thing about it is no one's really an expert, right? Yes. <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. All right. First question, Dr. Dan, uh, comes to us uh, via email. Uh, Dr. Dan, what do you think about journaling? Is it helpful for kids? What ages? If a young child is journaling, should you ever discuss reading the journal with your child? Mm-hmm. Okay. Journaling is a good thing. All the way around, um, I'll mention some of the many positive uh, things that come out of journaling. In terms of age, you know, kids can start journaling as soon as they are drawing or thinking they're writing, right? So, you mm -hmm. know, there's so many kids oh, yeah. that love to do art. They love, especially when they start to, they believe, write, and they're, you know, forming letters, and then they say, oh, what is that? And then they read you a little story of something that is in code that they, you know, that they believe they're writing. Mm -hmm. It can start that early. And, and for a child to be given a, a journal of any sort, one that they could decorate, um, one that already comes decorated, doesn't matter, it's a, it's a pretty cherished um, item for them, especially if you say this is for you and this is where you can draw and write anything that you're feeling or thinking um, and it's an opportunity to be creative. Like you just, you, you open it up, spe especially at yeah. the younger ages. Now, yeah. um, at the older ages, you can be a little more prescriptive as they do know how to write and say, hey, this is for you. 
to keep um, a place where you can write down your private thoughts, where you can write down your ideas, where you can work out anything that's bothering you. And there, there's so many positive, um, positive characteristics and outcomes that come from journals. So for some people, it helps them with their goals. They write down what they want to do, right? This sounds mm-hmm. like note-taking, but it's actually mm-hmm. it's a part of journaling. So knowing what, what your goals are, um, how you want to achieve them. People look back to see what they've done, if they're getting anywhere, um, yeah. progress. Um, it also is a place for s- increasing self-confidence where you actually mm-hmm. are able to write down your thoughts and see your thoughts uh, emerging and yeah. see how your thoughts are changing and see what comes out on the other side. Because we know for many of us, when we keep things in our head, they bounce around a lot. But when we write things yeah. down, we actually can see in a window to how we're thinking and feeling in a way that we can't when it's just all in our head. Yeah, um, absolutely. It also can um, is great for practicing writing and communication skills, which is just a byproduct. Yeah. And for many people in the mental health field um, who recommend journaling, it's to reduce stress. It's to reduce anxiety. Yeah. It's to get everything out of you, like to get some distance from that, those distressing thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also is a place where people get inspired, where their creativity and their ideas all of a sudden come through their fingers. Right. Yeah. So the idea yeah. of this um, free association, this uh, stream of consciousness is yes. where many mm-hmm. people get their inventions, their ideas and come up with new and novel solutions um, for things in their own life or things in other people's lives. Yeah. Um, and it also yeah. has this byproduct of strengthening people's memory, because I don't know how many of you I, I, I found for myself when I would study in college, I would actually a strategy for me, just the way my brain worked was to copy my notes and write down my notes a few times yeah. and then yeah and it actually when you write something down it encodes it in your memory in a different way writing your thoughts down it's it's slowing down those thoughts a little bit too mm-hmm. if you're working through something stressful it it slows the slows that spiral down and it uh i think it takes a little of the the power of those thoughts that they might have had in our head once you put them down on paper uh, it it changes the experience Yes, it does. Um, and it can change one's perception of the reality, right? Because mm-hmm. our reality is basically just our perception. Our thoughts and, yeah. And, yeah. and our feelings make reality yeah. for us. And we do yeah. have some choice and mm-hmm. some ability to change our perceptions. And this is one of, yeah. the, one of the processes for doing so. Now, the, sec- the last part of this question is a really important one. Yeah. I feel that kids need to know that this is theirs and this is private because it's just like, imagine going to, um, having your child go to a therapy session and the therapist tells your child, well, anything you tell me, I can tell your parents. That is not going to be as effective if a child has the trust that what they say is kept in that space. So to max, to get the maximum benefit of a journal, it's private. However, it's it's great to say if there's anything in your journal that you want to ever discuss with me i'd be mm-hmm. happy to please let me know but yeah. this is this is yours but i'm here to talk about any of that yeah. with you so you want to like keep the door open but mm-hmm. but this is theirs and i and i think why i really like that approach too is 
that is saying, without saying, I'm not going to look in your journal. You can trust that I'll wait if there's something you want to share, but this is your private thing. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're trying to, you know, just one of our primary goals in parenting is to help our children feel safe and secure mm -hmm. in the world. And this is a, it's a micro example, but it actually is much larger than that, is to know that there are boundaries and that they, you can be trusted. So if you can be trusted, it increases their sense of trust in themselves and their sense yeah. of security and safety in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So bottom line, a lot of benefit from journaling. Boom. Boom. Okay. Question number two, Dr. Dan, our family would love your advice about transitioning into different seasons. Our sensory child has a hard time with the change from summer to fall, etc. We live in New England. A beautiful time in New England right uh, now, yeah. right? The yes, changing yes. of the leaves, the changing of the guards of nature. Mm. Um, and yes, it's going to be getting colder. Um, I say as a Northern Californian, so I, <laughs> yes, <yeah>, so, <laughs> so it's already cold over there. In other yeah. Words. <laughs> yeah. So I understand I have empathy and, yeah. um, I know the differences of the climates. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is a real thing for kids with sensory issues or what we also call, um, in extreme form sensory processing disorder, okay. uh, formerly called sensory integration disorder. And really what that is for those of you who don't have these kids or have some kids with these characteristics that hasn't, you, you haven't been aware of this label is in, in these cases with this, with sensory processing issues, the senses are really heightened and there can be very strong reactions to light, to cold, okay to sound, yeah. to, and, and in this case, as it relates to clothes in the winter, is to textures. Mm -hmm. And even, even beyond textures, sometimes stripes versus polka dots and zippers and yeah. waistbands, right? Yeah. And so clothes for these kids and for parents with these kids, clothing and the changing of temperatures can be extremely stressful yeah. Highly anxiety provoking with mm. lots of emotion because kids with sensory processing disorders get dysregulated when they are being bombarded with sensory info, which can include you putting on extra tight socks or putting okay. on long underwear or having mittens or gloves where the inside feels funny. So this is a really big deal. And yeah. um, so this is a this is yeah. a great question, particularly as we are transitioning in the season. So some strategies. One is to preload to get someone ready, get your child ready for the transition. To so start talking about it early. You yeah. know, coming up, it's the weather's going to get colder. And remember, when the weather gets colder, we have to change our, what we wear. And so we're going to be thinking about this with you, so we can find comfortable clothes mm -hmm. for you for the cold so that in that second part we're hearing collaboration so not only yes. front loading we really want to include these kids in this process and i know there's many of you thinking yeah but there's not one thing he or she likes i know and however <laughs> we still want to include them in the process and depending on your child you can um 
either get out the clothes from last year early if they still fit so you can start looking at them together or if you're going to um needing to start going shopping if you can include them you include them if not you bring home options for try on either in the store or at home yeah. and yeah. i know everyone this is really laborious but for those <laughs> of you who have dealt with this you know that this kind of labor is easier than the kind of labor with massive meltdowns and mm -hmm. can't get out the door and all of the stuff that happens in these situations. So we really want them to feel the textures. Hey, do you like this better or this better? Do you like the way this looks or this looks? Hey, let's try on both of these. I know you might not like both of them. Let's just see if one feels better than the other. So when these kids feel forced, it's just they're, they're in survival mode. So their fight and yeah. flight comes up and then it's like game on. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's see, just a few more ideas here. And that is to, um, when it's time to actually start to dress, give the choice. So some kids start to own it, and some kids will wear the same thing every day. If you have a sensory kid that finds something they like, I say don't worry about them wearing the same thing every day. I mean, get five of them if, if that's what you need to do, <laughs> yeah. because you're really just looking for them to be comfortable. As they get older and older, they will branch out more. But particularly when they're younger, this is not about fashion. This is about comfort in order to yeah. function uh, yeah. maximally. Um, and then you really just want to keep the dialogue going. If you see that something's not fitting or uh, something's not right or the emotion is starting to come out, talk to them. Hey, feels seems like something's not feeling right. Hey, should we go back to this other mm -hmm. one? Right, like, because you want to have those go tos. Yes, it's okay yeah. to stretch them, but you want to go back to the go tos. And finally, this is also related to the front loading. Practice, 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 practice. Mm -hmm. You can have on a Sunday. Hey, we're gonna practice. We don't need these clothes yet, but let's practice putting them on and seeing how they feel. Yeah, kind of like exposure therapy. Little yeah, by little. no, it's that, and it's also again, like you mentioned, it's not this sudden change. They right. have time to process the change that is coming and they know what to expect. And uh, that goes a long, a long way. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. I'm and sure, empathy uh, to all of you yeah. out there with these kiddos. Um, uh, personally, can relate back in the day. And um, you want to go with it, not against it. And to remember that when mm. these kids are having these strong reactions, it's not that they're just being obstinate and oppositional and that they're out to ruin your day. The, uh, behavior and emotion for kids is communication. And so often there is this underlying invisible sensory processing issue, mm. which is causing the emotion and the behavior. Yeah, that's great awareness. And I'm sure that's going to be helpful for a lot of our listeners. All right, on to question number three, which comes from our amazing producer, Laura. And it's about the news that's been happening recently in October. And it's a tough, it's a tough subject, mm -hmm. I think, for even, even us as adults to try to comprehend. And Laura asks, how do we talk about what is happening in Israel with mm -hmm. our children? Mm -hmm. uh, and we're seeing a lot of questions about this very topic all over social media. And I know that a lot of parents are, are struggling uh, mm -hmm. on how to talk about something that is very important. Mm -hmm. So yes. what advice do you have, Dr. Dan? Yes. And I'll say uh, what's happening in Israel and um, as the days go on, also what's happening in Gaza. 
Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is um, tremendous uh, loss of life and unthinkable, uh, mm-hmm. unthinkable violence mm-hmm. and pain and loss. And um, yeah, it's hard to put words to. And it yet really we do uh, have to find a way to cope as parents um, to with this and how to manage our kids, particularly kids that are younger and our kids that are older and have access to social media right, of course. and the news, right? So, okay, so a couple ideas here because these situations tend to, um, they're traumatic. And for people who have ties to this part of the world, mm-hmm. um, it's it's it, it, it's it's harder for people who have had past traumas related mm-hmm. to these um, these world experiences or their own. It intensifies past trauma, and all, all this is to say is the first thing we need to do is check in with ourselves. Right, our kids are always watching. Our kids are always listening, and our kids pick up on our emotions, particularly our more sensitive and intuitive kids. Um, but yeah. all all kids do, and so we have to be checking in with ourselves to see how we're feeling, how we're coping, what are we saying and doing or acting like in front yeah. of our kids. Because you're human, yeah. so you're going to be human. We just need to be aware of what we are, what we're giving off. Mm-hmm. So a first step just could be to acknowledge how you're feeling, right? Yeah. Like I'm yeah. feeling heavy, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling yeah. scared, I'm feeling overwhelmed. These are really important things to know because it also will help you identify what your coping needs are and what your self-care needs are because yeah. as we know, a cornerstone of this show is... Um, the key aspect of parenting is taking care of ourselves and being healthy ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first thing to focus on. And we have to talk to our kids. Now, if our kids are young and they don't know what's going on, um, that's fine. I, I'm yeah. all for sheltering our kids as much as possible yeah. at their younger ages from all of this because they're gonna they're gonna be exposed to this in some way, in some form right. in their lives. Right. It's, right. it's inevitable. So if we can keep our younger kids away from this, that's great. Um, when with our older kids, our kids who are school-aged, our kids who have phones, our, especially um, our, our older kids, think about, we need to talk to them. But we want to think about first, what's our goal in talking to them? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of want to sketch yourself, like, is my goal just to check in with them, see how they're, they're doing? Um, to see what they've heard, to yeah. uh, see what they've seen, you know, like to get a sense, are, are people talking about this at school? Are people talking yeah. about this with your friends? You really want to clarify, like, what is your goal here? And, you know, a the the primary recommended message in these situations is to give a message of safety, of support, and that you're here to listen and to talk. Yeah. Also in this conversation, I think it's 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 important to provide some level of information and again the level of information is going to be based on what your child has heard and how old your child is. We're always wanting to be age and developmental level appropriate, right? So you can Absolutely. have an older child who might be less mature so you wouldn't necessarily say something to them as a 13-year-old if they're actually emotionally, they're more like a 10-year-old, which right, happens right. a lot with our asynchronous development. Yeah. So you really yeah. want to be mindful of that. And generally, you want to keep the information 
as discrete and in bite-sized pieces as much as possible. Yeah. And you don't want to give them more than they need to know. I mean, often you're trying to really right. assess what they know, what they're hearing, and mm -hmm. then give them information to fill in some of the gaps to give some security. Yes, um, there, there is the beginning of a war happening, and it's far away. And if they know about some of the atrocities, and yes, some people, there are, there are many people and families who have been, and you fill in the word depending on the age, right? Yeah. And depending on what they've heard. Um, and this is all really sensitive and really delicate. And I also have to say, we can't be perfectionists here. Like we, no, that then no. really prepares us for these sorts of things. No, and no, um, no. you just have to do your best. Um, when your kids are talking to you, it is recommended that you reflect back to them what you're hearing mm. so they feel heard. Yeah. I mean, not just like a robot, but yeah, like I hear that, <laughs> you know, I hear that there's a lot of talk about this group doing this to this group, right? Yeah. Or I hear that, yeah, a lot of people are talking about the methods that were used. Like, it's like you right. want to validate that they are being heard because this is how they are processing. And if you can be that safe place for them to process, not just with their friends who might just have different, um, maybe limited views on the situation, it could be yeah. helpful yeah. for them to be coming to you. Um, also in this, it's recommended to ask questions, like to ask simple questions so they can share. Like, again, what do you know? What have you heard? Do you have any worries or concern? How, yeah. how yeah. is this impacting you? And again, if your kids are kind of like, yeah, you know, they kind of remove from it, okay, that's all you need to know right now. But some kids right, are right, right. right in it. And you, need, and you need to know that. Um, I would say also to be comfortable with the silence and the space and the pauses. Because there are a lot of us, like, you know, when there's, when there's silence, we need to, we want to fill it in. But yeah. allow your kids time to think. Because they're processing <laughs> yeah. some of this. What do I know? Yeah. What do I feel? How, what should I say? What should I not say? Um, Another strategy is to, in terms of the reflection, is to label the emotions. Yeah, I hear that. Mm -hmm. I hear that you're, you're, you're nervous. I hear that you're worried. I hear that you're sad. And, and then this can easily go into normalizing and validating, which is, yeah, these are really uh, normal responses to yes. experiencing yes. this. Um, and I know for many, there's vacillation between denial, detachment, mm -hmm. fear, sadness, anger, right? Like, and just, again, depending on your kids' ages, that's educating them about reactions to trauma and reactions to grief. Yeah. Like, this is about yeah. being human and feeling. Um, and again, if people have their coping walls up, don't we don't need to break those down. Like, let's leave, the, leave those coping coping walls up. And then finally, um, is what I alluded to at the beginning is just about media. You really want to be mindful about your media exposure. Like, first of all, what mm -hmm. you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, and what your kids, what's on in the house and also what your kids are watching. Like our oldest today, um, you know, we, we woke up and she, she said, um, yeah, I, I, 
couldn't, you know, I woke up really early. I couldn't sleep. Things were bothering me. So um, I was like looking at what was going on and I saw some really awful images and videos and we're like, sweetheart, do not, we do not recommend watching that. Like you just can't unsee that stuff. And we appreciate you wanting to be informed and care as we do and really let her know, like we're staying away from that because we know the impact that that has on us and we don't have to see it to ex to experience it like we can stay involved and informed by reading you don't have to have those traumatizing images in your head yeah yeah i mean wow it's as a parent it's okay to feel a bit overwhelmed mm -hmm. by by what's going on because you know what it is overwhelming mm -hmm. and we are going to have our own processing that we need to do and our, and our own feelings that we need to, to figure out. And which is why it is so important that we are making sure that we are doing that for ourselves so we can be fully present mm -hmm. for our kids. Right. And, and the act of having this dialogue and checking in will also help you sort yes. your thoughts out. And I mean, it sends also the important message that you know, this is happening across the ocean uh, and we might, you know, we're safe here, but, you know, as people, as human beings, we're all kind of in this together mm -hmm. uh, and it's important to, to be aware and it's important to be aware that on both sides of this conflict, there are, you know, innocent people that are just want to live their lives and have had their lives dramatically interrupted and it's 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 very sad all the mm -hmm. all the way around and my heart does yeah go out to, to all the all the people suffering through mm -hmm. this yeah okay great question great question laura yeah. i think it's a important it's, question i think this is unfortunately i i don't think this is going to be leaving the headlines for some time and so i think uh yeah. it's definitely great for dr dan to get his wisdom out there and, and certainly help some folks with this. You know, I actually just want to say one more thing that mm -hmm. I did not mention for particularly for um, those kids that are really sensitive and this is really impacting and the older kids and teenagers Yeah, yeah. is taking action is also a way to deal with Mm, um, yeah, the sort of existential depression and dread and out of controlness. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people and families getting involved in, in, in somehow supporting and helping people, um, whether directly related to the cause or just other people is a way that people can feel more like they're doing something instead of just witnessing, um, in a way that where everything feels out of their control. Yeah, absolutely. And to tie it back a little bit to our earlier subject, uh, an opportunity for journaling, surely mm, of yes, writing these thoughts, yes. thoughts down or taking a step further. You know, if your kids are creative, encourage them to express these feelings through whatever art that they are, you know, that they're into, be it writing, be it music or, or whatever. And again, to give that sense that, you are just not passively you know, observing this this horrendous 
mm-hmm. these horrendous things and that, you know, there is some, you're taking some kind of action on your part, even if it is only focused on your processing of it. Mm. Yes. Okay, moving along, question number four. I'm a mom and often host playdates for my elementary school-aged son and daughter with their friends. Unfortunately, it seems like no matter what I do, that both our first graders and our fourth graders' friend time ends up being centered around screens and devices. Picture two kids, both on devices, ignoring each other. Any <laughs> guidance, Dr. Dan? I don't even have to use my imagination for that. Yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. <sure> that. <laughs> oh, we've seen this a lot. And you <laughs> are not alone. Um, mm, yeah. Oh, this is so common these days. This is the the modern play date, right? The modern play date is come over and uh, mm-hmm. we will play on our screens together, which I will say is better than each of them in their own rooms playing alone. Right. So right. at least you have a little companionship. Now, yeah. I'm also assuming from this, like the modern play date also includes whether in the same room or in other houses is um, multiplayer games. So for yes. some time, the, the modern play date is has evolved. Still, many are going outside and playing and doing stuff, but also many um, are in their own rooms, but w- playing a game online locked in with one or several friends and that's when they're like let's okay we're logging on at 3 30 we're logging on at five and and that's a play date so i would say first of all if they're together and they're looking at their screens but they're playing the same game that actually is a higher level of connection than just sitting there doing their own thing right now i'll also say having them at least together instead of in their own houses i repeat better than nothing now if it is just solely three out two hours of independent online gaming, which again we cannot pathologize because it is like this is what has been given to these people in their culture, yes. Uh, yes. our modern culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's okay to set some limits and be like, okay, guys, this is a two-hour play date. One hour is good for screen time, and another hour we're going to do something else. How do you guys want to divide it up? What do you want to start with? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to do a little yeah. a little screen and then go out and play or play something else and then do a little more screen? Like, you know, and so it's including them in like just setting some boundaries around it. It is okay for you to send boundaries that screens are not all bad, but too much screens gets in the way of socializing and other parts of life. And that can be just a, a message that they hear, not in a way to make themselves feel bad, but in yeah. a way that just is like, this is a reality. And hey, we also have to uh, make sure we get off of our screens too. So this yeah. is just a thing that we do for the health of our family. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a different strategy for your younger kids versus your teenagers. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend you know knocking on the door, coming into the into the bedroom or the family room, and saying, "Hey guys, you know, you've been spending a lot of time on your screens. Why don't you go do X, Y, or Z?" Because your teenager will probably not forgive you for putting them on the spot and embarrassing them. But if it's behavior you've been observing and you can talk to them outside of this get together, um, maybe before their next get together, say, hey, I noticed last time you and so and so were on your devices the entire time. I would love to see you suggest some other activity that is not based, you know, just staring at, at a screen and take that take that approach would be my advice. Uh, that's 
worked for me in the past. But then also, like you said, it's, it's, it's being aware of what are they doing? Are they just doing completely independent, you know, scrolling and just staring at their screens? Are they sharing funny videos and laughing back and forth and engaging with each other? Uh, that's bit better than just the you know zoning into the screen and then are they gaming together so there's yes different different tiers unfortunately can we get rid of the screens altogether Uh, no we it's it is part of their this culture now that i mean i don't think we'll ever really fully be able to to understand completely sure that we can empathize with that this is what they have and they do and we can just encourage that moderation. Yes. And to your point, it's a way different conversation with teenagers. So mm. teenagers generally are not in on their phones next to each other and not communicating on a play date. They're usually, <laughs> even when they're scrolling social media each separately, they're generally sharing yeah. and hey, check yeah. this out. And so Again, we don't want to over control our teenagers, as you are alluding to. I mean, because yes. that creates some other things. But still, it's the dialogue yeah. of, hey, yeah. you know, how much time are you on your screens? And do you guys want to do other stuff? And it's going to vary for, uh, for, for child and for family. And I, and I will say this. You know, dare, dare to believe that your children are capable of making adjustments in their life with social media. Because, and just a quick example before we get onto the next question, you know, my wife and I have, have been talking about wanting to overall just limit the screen time. Everyone's kind of been getting more and more glued to their devices. And, and we had a great you know, talk with the collaborative talk with the girls and tied it into sort of our goals for you know, this school year and, and what we want to do in terms of self-care. And that this actually became part of that self-care was limiting some of that screen time. And now at night before bed, they plug their phones into a family charger that's, you know, downstairs out of the bedrooms. When my wife suggested that to me, I was thinking in my head, oh, that is never, that's, it might, they'll do it, but it's going to be, it's going to be rocky. But no, it's, they've, uh, they have been doing it and have been sleeping better and they are, you know, reading, reading books again, reading more and just not, reaching for that phone as the first thing that they're going to do like at the end of the day or after school. Yeah. So it's nice. It's nice. Everything is possible. They still have yeah. screen time. Uh, but you know, nine out of or five out of 10 times, it's not the first thing that they're doing. So nice. We'll see. Uh, I'll, yes. I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted. Dr. Dan. Well, I mean, it's, it's still pretty new, but, uh, it's, but I love that approach. Yeah, I let yeah. see that approach was more like, you're talking about the family, you're talking, you're including yourselves. You're talking mm-hmm. about reasons for different use, less use. It's mm-hmm. not about control, right? right? It's not yes. about, yeah. So yeah. they get to step into it in a way that they can take ownership mm-hmm. and feel good about as opposed to because you guys said so, and we're going to find a way around it. Right. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Okay. Question number five, Dr. Dan, this is a great question and very appropriate for today being Halloween. Our parent writes to us, our only child high schooler loves Andy and would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he probably does. Is there really such a thing as a sugar addiction? 
all of us have a sweet tooth. How do we help him reduce his candy consumption while respecting that he is a senior and almost 18? And they <laughs> go on to say, ha ha ha, his teeth are fine and so is his health. He just wants to eat sweets 24-7. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear all of that. Um, yes. <laughs> so sweet tooths do run in families like most mm. things. And mm -hmm. by way of education, there is um, something called sugar addiction. There, yeah. I mean, there is in its extreme yeah. form. And when someone is addicted to sugar, when they're not eating it, they get withdrawals, like you can have muscle aches and headaches mm. and those body mm. chills, like um, fatigue. Um, nauseous, like the same, the same things when, if you are having uh, withdrawal from uh, any other types of substances and people could get depressed and anxious and have mental fog also. So those are just by way of education. Um, I am not saying this is occurring in this situation because right. he is healthy right. and he loves sweets, just like you parent. <laughs> uh, so I would say this is also at a really particular, you know, age going 18, going to be an adult, um, mm -hmm. looking to go away and live outside of the home. This is where parents, this is where you educate and you guide and you own your own behavior too. Um, right, and you know, he's going to be off and he's going to have to manage his sleep, his computer use, his eating, his exercise, his hygiene. And so it's just, hey, this is just to be aware. These are some of the things that can happen with lots of sweets. You know, it could also, you can um, often, if you don't have enough protein and you have a lot of sugar, you're not going to have a lot of energy. And, you know, it could keep you up at night and like all these things that you already know. But I would say in this case, it's just something you talk about. And it's something that um, if, 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 it's, if it's done in a way that he doesn't feel shame about it. You guys can yes. keep an open dialogue about it. Like, hey, when you, how's it going with the, what's the sugar intake these days? You know, something <laughs> that is like, could be just something to talk about, but he's mostly going to just do what he's going to do at this point. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, all I have to add to that is really just, uh, you know, just emphasizing the concept of just be relatable because you can relate to the sweets and the pleasure you get from you know eating those Twix or those Reese's peanut butter cups and those are my and, the Reese's peanut butters are the my favorite yeah yeah and Trader Joe's has a dark chocolate oh peanut butter those cup. are amazing yes yep. we always yes. keep those in case of emergency <laughs> they don't last long in our household <laughs> no they don't yeah, yeah. um but yeah just it's just like Dr. Dan and I are chatting right now make it relatable and you know so it doesn't seem like you are judging the consumption of treats or, you know, ignoring your own <laughs> enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And I think that way it will bring a certain level of awareness that, ha ah, ha yes, yeah, I do eat a lot of, a lot of treats, don't I? And, and from there, maybe see some adjustments in behavior or not. But at the end of the day, it is, again, you don't want to shame. You just want that awareness. All right. That's it. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Have fun. Be safe. Enjoy. And uh, thanks and don't for listening. Turn around. <laughs> and don't turn around. Or maybe don't. you should. <laughs> yes. And if you do, do so with caution. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. You can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all of our bonus episodes and our regular podcast ad-free 
As you know, we drop a regular episode of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan every Thursday, and the new bonus episodes drop the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. Please continue to follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and on X at Dr. Dan Peters. Also, you know where to find us on the website, www.drdanpeters.com. Thank you for your support. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.